1: What is that? That's the second time it's gone on. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those guys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Oh, you can laugh. Have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what
0: you're talking about Well did yeah. you know i
1: like it. Just to stay alive for Oh
2: right, I was okay,
3: later. Later. I'd say it to you I'd say it to you guys I'll say it but to what you now I am down to one field And we'll see them we? What you're doing down here You show me man <laughs> It's the Irish Times Second Captain's International Football Podcast Oh my David here With Ken Erdy Ken Oh and how you doing Good to see you, uh, to see you see me, again. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good Yeah, Great to see you too We'll mostly be looking ahead To Germany-Ireland In Gelsenkirchen kirchen Tonight But uh, Well the match is tomorrow But we'll be doing that today But we can't forget About our fallen heroes From Gibraltar on Saturday night particularly their impressive rowdy support Ken I don't mm. know how struck you were by them I don't know if you're familiar with Jimmy Fallon's evolution of montages Jimmy Fallon the American chat show host, talk,
0: talk show host guy, yeah.
3: so are he and for example Will Smith they'll fly through the evolution of hip hop dancing for example in, oh, yeah. in a couple of minutes cramming in their own interpretations of these different dances that took over the hip hop scene at various points in its history I was reminded of that by the Gibraltar fans they seem to just manage to we had the Mexican wave which they seemed to begin the who are you phase when Aidan McGeady strolled over to take a corner hmm. the, they moved into the ole ole period at one stage I don't know if there's a little nod to the Irish fans and there's even a sprinkling of a bit of timeless gallows humour when they reacted jubilantly to the awarding of a throw in at one stage when they were 7 nil down <laughs> so that's absolutely crazy so they just uh, won the World Cup so it was nice it was good it was surprising I don't know what I expected from the Gibraltar uh, travelling support but well they, they did get the um get the atmosphere
0: uh, going a little bit in the Aviva, which is which as we all know is usually silent as the grave. And uh there was a, there was a kind of a feeling of fun. I mean it did help Ireland scoring a goal every couple of minutes. For that fifteen minutes after half time.
3: It was particularly fun then.
0: Ireland has never felt so powerful <laughs> uh, as we ran goal after goal past Gibraltar, with some help from their goalkeeper. <laughs> Uh, who slammed the ball in off his own, <laughs> his own crossbar. <laughs> and uh, I looked around to left and right and everybody I could see was uh, uh, in tears of laughter at that moment. And there was a feeling of, of I suppose only you'd say it was a bit of crack. Yeah. Uh Good times.
3: It started from quite early on. I was at the game. I watched it back on TV afterwards. And uh, even when the first goal went in, there was a shot of two fans, quite a lingering close-up. You could see one of them pointing at his watch and laughing. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, he, maybe, maybe he didn't mean to hmm. to belittle, no, no, none of us there, none of the 30 odd thousand people there meant to belittle Gibraltar, but it's rare enough that Ireland uh, get to watch their national team. Scoring a load of goals team, and Scoring really a good. of goals, yeah, looking like absolute world, dominating possession. Yeah. Robbie Keane looking like one of the fastest strikers in world football.
0: Hulahan, uh you know, he was like a little Aguero, yeah. just jinking um, past guys. I mean, I like the way Hulaghan just was thinking, okay, I've, the the gap in ability here is so huge that I'm going to play as though against children, you know, literally to to not even try to run at all, just to walk the ball past guys. Um, you know, I mean,
3: even of, go- of his goal in particular.
0: Yeah, there was a few moves, particularly in the second half, when he he you know he, he wasn't like he was trying to run past the guys; he was just kind of dodging uh, past them at, at walking pace, which you know is. You could say in one way it's patronising, but it was it was entertaining. I suppose to see. I mean, look, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much for running seven goals past your brother. They are the most tactically inept um, of the minnow sides, probably that there's ever been. Um, realistically, uh, all of these teams quickly find that the only way that they can play uh, in international football is by packing their own penalty area with bodies. You know, to, to play two lines of five or um, you know, essentially four five one four six zero.
3: Even kid, you, you compared them to kids there, Ken. Mm. Even kids, you would expect if you were standing there. I'm what? I'm 34 year old man. Mm. If I'm fending off a bunch of little kids, I'm actually expecting more, more tigers tackling than what the Gibraltar defence managed to offer up. They they were quite uh, quite inept even when there were one on one situations.
0: Yeah, look, they you know they they believe in attacking football. They don't believe in defensive football, which is. Which is fine, you know, and the coach coach said that afterwards, look, these are our principles. You know, we believe in pushing up and playing the game in the opponent's half. That's the right way to play the game. If you look at the great sides, your Ajaxes, your Barcelonas, that's the way they try to play the game. And we're going to try and play the game that way. But the problem is, um, they're not good enough to play the game that way. Uh, the reason that Ireland scored so many goals was because they left so much space in behind, which usually... Uh, you know, a team like Marino. you know, we struggled against them, Lichtenstein, they got a draw against Andorra. us. Andorra. Andorra. Um, it's because they're defending really deep. And no matter how bad the team is, if there's that many players in the way and there's some kind of organisation of what they're doing, it can be difficult to score. You know, if you're, if you're a team like Ireland that isn't necessarily overburdened with goal-scoring genius players, uh, it, it can be difficult. Against Gibraltar, it was very easy.
3: Kennedy's report on sport. <laughs>
0: So I mean I don't know the the question would be if you if your striker scores a hat trick against uh, against whoever can you drop him for the next game? You know Wayne Rooney was playing against San Marino, he didn't score a hat trick. Robbie Keane, you know, hat trick, The highest scorer in the history of European Championship qualifiers. Who's
3: Robbie Keane getting dropped for though? Are people talking Shane Long here? Because as Liam Brady said last night on TV, you're on Saturday night. Shane Long, surely if, he, if the plan is play Shane Long, you would give him 15, 20 minutes at the end of the Gibraltar game, mm. get him a goal, get him his confidence up. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you don't put him on just in case he misses a couple of chances and thereby ruins his confidence for the Germany game. Yeah. It just seems strange to me that he that they bring on Daryl Murphy and Kevin Doyle if it's going to be Shane Long who's playing on Tuesday night. And or, Unless it could be a total shock, it could be a Daryl Murphy type.
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, Daryl Murphy, according to Roy Keane yesterday, has some kind of Achilles oh, problem. A problem yeah. So... I mean, and, and played badly enough, I would have, th- so I would it's have long. thought, against Gibraltar. Like, you're, you're talking long. I assume day. it's long. I mean, long is the... I mean, I wouldn't drop Robbie Keane for Kevin Doyle under any circumstances. Yeah. You know? I can see an argument for dropping him to play Shane Long.
3: And where do you fall on that argument?
0: I'm not convinced. Yeah. I mean, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said, yeah, absolutely, go with Long. And now I'm not so sure. Just, uh, I mean, it's not as though Robbie Keane's really changed much as a player in that time. He's still the same. Um, Shane Long has, if anything, started scoring slightly fewer goals. You know what I mean? It's just just the lack of goals that's kind of an issue. But of course, maybe that's not really what he'd be in the team. What he'd be in the team for is to give you a little bit of depth, a little bit of uh, the kind of player who's likely to cause more problems for German defenders than Robbie Keane is. Robbie Keane, who they can just ignore. He's not going to do anything to them. He's like a, a daddy long legs or something in their half of the field. You know, in terms of off the ball, that's he's interfering with the with the game about as much as his daddy long legs. Whereas at least Shane Long is going to be able to chase the kind of desperate passes up the field that we're likely to be playing a few of. He can win uh, shoulder charges against defenders. You know, he can give you depth. He can maybe get the ball and hold it up there and, and allow other people to join him in an attack. Robbie came won't do any of that. On the other hand, he might score. But you know the chances are when you look at his his, his games against the better teams in recent times around he, he doesn't score in those games.
3: Not recently, no. I think he no. did um, back when there used to be a debate about Robbie Keane and his worth to the Irish team. There still was that debate up around the thirty-five to forty goal mark. I think mm. it's disappeared slowly over over the years. Um, but he, certainly in the last few seasons he hasn't scored particularly, no. uh, particularly heavily against those. Big no, teams. it's 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 one, used
0: it's one goal in his last. Seven, I think, against teams ranked above us, and, and eleven as last eight against teams you know lower than that. So, it's kind of it's. We saw the Georgia game. He didn't do anything in it. He was a bystander.
3: Does he come on as a sub though? I, I'm not sure if Robbie Keane's a great sub necessarily. Is he? Uh, I've is never seen
0: him play. as He's Robbie Keane has ha, has he ever come on as a sub for Ireland? Maybe once in, in 2001 he came on as a sub. I mean, he's he's never been a sub. He's always been one of our first team players. You know, we don't know. Well, he could be the best sub ever. You know, I don't know.
3: He has another eight years left with Ireland as a super sub.
0: He used to play a bit as a sub, I suppose, for Tottenham and for, and for Liverpool from time to time. But, you know, it's, it's hard to judge you know, what, he, what he might be able to do for Ireland based on what he used to do for them six or seven years ago. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, the question here is, okay, we, when we took Hulain and Keane off, we stopped scoring goals. This is against Gibraltar there was still half an hour to go we didn't score any more goals yeah. um, now Martin O'Neill said a couple of things after the game uh, and I mean obviously Hula didn't play in the in the match against Georgia it was the first match he hadn't been involved in um, I mean he'd been, he'd been involved in every match up to then he was left out that's that starting team um, and O'Neill says after the game the other, the other night he says uh, always says very well to Aviva He's been really good in the games I've been involved in since November time. He's always wanting to have that little bit of craft and ability, running between the lines, things like that. His link-up play is very good, but we'll have a look at it. We might have to go into the Germany game with a bit of strength, see how they come out of it. Is Wes Hulen a luxury player? Seems to be the, yeah. the thrust of his comments there. And he says, well, I don't know Wes that well. He's 32 years of age. That's really a question you have to ask him, you know? I can imagine asking Wes that question. You a luxury player, Wes? said, some managers can take to him, other managers in his career haven't taken to him, and sometimes he's been left out in the wilderness. He put a great ball through for us to score the goal, and I thought he got a lot of confidence from that. on O'Neill. Mm.
3: Still saying that.
0: That's O'Neill saying that. Now, uh, I don't understand the logic of this. Either Wes Hilton is a good player who improves the team, or he's not. I don't see it as being a context-dependent ability that he has. Oh, great against Gibraltar, not so much against Germany. I still think he's one of our most talented players against Germany. I think if you're going to play a team like Germany, it helps if you've got players who can pass the ball to each other. He's our best player at doing that. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're running around chasing Germany or passing the ball around, it doesn't matter. You know, we could have Sonia O'Sullivan doing that. You know, she'd be able to to to, to run around, you know, almost without stopping after these German players. But it wouldn't... It wouldn't Affect us in the game. I mean, we're, we're suggesting that Wes Hulin is not as is not enough of a factor off the ball, off the ball. I mean, I, first of all, I'm 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 unsure about that. I don't I don't see him as being worse than the alternative. Uh, surely
3: this is just surely uh, this uh, is just an extension of how a lot of club managers approach things. They play different players against. Alex Ferguson is one who would play. Uh, Park Ji Sung? Sung he might play Park G. Sung against the really good teams because he wants uh, a runner in there and he wants somebody who'll fulfil that role yeah. so this is, is this not just a natural extension of that you, against well, better I, I teams think the, I think the Keane and Houlihan
0: questions are sort of right because I think you can afford one lazy player and I mean lazy lazy I mean in the sense of a player who's not going to cover as much ground He's not going to do as much running for whatever that reason is whether it be their personal preference maybe an Andre Pirlo I don't run I'm 35 uh, you know, Robbie Keane's 34, Wes is 32. Whatever reason it is that they're not going to do quite as much of this sort of graft, you know, there are, players, there, there are some players who are like that. Lionel Messi doesn't really do a lot off the ball. It's like what he does on the ball, that's the important part. Nobody's leaving him out of a team because of what he doesn't do off the ball. Mm. Now, I think he can afford one of those players, but maybe not two. So maybe it has to be Keane or Hula. And, and if it was a choice between the two, I'd pick Hula. The
3: bigger issue that I have with the way O'Neill is approaching the Wes Hulan problem not that it's a problem but the picking or not of Wes Hulan is not whether he picks him against the Faroe Islands or Germany but it's the fact of picking a player at home and not picking him away Mm. dropping him against Georgia to me was the bigger deal Georgia struck me as the kind of game where you're going to get quite a bit of the ball I think we might have had more possession than Georgia exactly the kind of situation that a player with a bit of craft that can open a defence as O'Neill describes him would flourish Mm. so I don't know the, the bigger the bigger Factor for me is this idea that you have to approach a game away from home completely differently to a game at home. He'll probably play against George at home, for example. He might even play against Germany at home. Yeah, it just seems these O'Neill has a was an old fashioned view of a lot of managers have it um, that somehow going away from home is different. That's maybe what stopped yeah. us ever winning games against good teams. It, like
0: it is a big difference, and I mean, there's there's been some interesting stuff about this whole home away thing that I've been reading lately. Um, uh, there was a piece on five thirty eight, I think, where they were looking at this. Uh, essentially, it turns out that if you look at English league football, which is where most of our players play, home advantage has shrunk away massively over the over the hundred years or so. You know that they were looking at it. Um, it used to be <clears throat> that home teams are winning more than half of the games, or sixty percent of the games, and it's now less than forty percent home wins. Right, so it's a massive difference. Mm-hmm. What what is the difference? You know what's the what's changed? I mean, there's various explanations for it, including um, you know, the, the standardization of conditions, the greater ease of travel, um, but one more slightly more persuasive one is maybe that um, away teams know they're being watched now you used to go away and play a game away and it was as though it didn't happen it just went into the memory hole, you know, yeah we lost the game, but none of our fans saw it it basically didn't really exist. You know, maybe the team didn't give everything they could. Um, whereas now they know that an away game, they might as well be at home. Everyone's watching this game. You know, you're being followed on television. Everything. You, there's no hiding anymore. You can't hide in an away game the way that you used to be able to do it. I mean, for whatever the reason is, I mean, there's obviously the, the, there's the referees, I suppose, are, have always been a factor in home uh, home advantage. Um, which something which you'd imagine has remained more or less constant um, in recent times. But for whatever the reason is, it seems to be less of a factor in football today than it was. Um, so this idea of, well, we have one approach at home and another approach away, should we really? Is no. that maybe a bit of an old-fashioned way to look at it? Well, look, you know,
3: who knows? You were out at the uh, media briefing yesterday, mm. Martin O'Neill. Well, Roy Keane was doing more of the talking yesterday, was he? Yeah, it was,
0: it was Roy Keane. Was Roy
3: Keane's pitch side update?
0: Yeah, it was put up yesterday. He, he wasn't in great form, I have to say. Uh, well, it wasn't, wasn't like he was lashing people <laughs> out at it or anything, but yeah, he seems. Uh, maybe he's done enough. Maybe he feels he's done enough talking in recent days. Um, let's just have a listen to to a snippet of, of Keane. You can gauge his mood from his tone.
1: Is there any fear factor at all about going to Germany
0: and playing the World Champions for the players? No, no, obviously not. No. That's a silly question. Will you pleased to draw a line under all the book stuff and yeah, down to uh, game Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that's you move on now. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's history now. Get ready for the game on Tuesday. I just say I don't know if it, the, the captaincy thing came. up in the book when you when you came back to Ireland. Um, no, John I'm not. I'm. No, I've just answered a question. I've just said so we
3: move on to books. Yeah, well, Delaney last night
0: said that he felt if you got the armband, then Ireland would have qualified in six. That, that I don't know. No, it's, that's
3: history. No, that's that, that's history. As I said, it's history. Well, it's a okay. He launched days the book three days ago. <laughs> you know, three days
0: beforehand he's launching the book. Now it's history. You can't. I'm sorry, but you can't complain if people are still asking questions about the book that you launched three days ago. You know, I don't think you can complain about yeah. that legitimately. You know, if you do, if you do it, then you have to talk about it, or at least you have to accept that people are going to ask you about it, especially when what you say has 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 a kind of a ripple effect. You know, and we we had seen that the day the day before that was that that exchange was happening Sunday uh, morning, Sunday around half past eleven. Um. You know, and uh, you know, less than twenty-four hours previously, this had been been talked about in RTE. You know, with Kenny Cunningham, the man who apparently Roy Keane felt shouldn't have been the captain. Keane felt that he should come in, having you know taken himself out of the Ireland picture for a couple of years, which was a complicated situation. I mean, we know a good bit about it from the book. We can talk, we can talk about that now if we if we want, but uh, he he seemed to think that he should come in and then automatically be the captain. Even though he's not going to actually say that to anyone, this is the, this is the point. You know, this mm. is the kind of this is where you have to think. Well, hang on a second. Does Roy Keane understand that people can't necessarily read his mind? You know, if he comes back and it doesn't seem this captaincy thing doesn't seem to be an issue. And to be honest, it seems quite obvious. You're not going to walk back in and be captain mm. of a team that you've left in such circumstances, and then not come back. They haven't qualified, and then you come back and oh, well, here's the armband. Okay, everyone can see why that's not going to happen. If it was so important to him, why didn't he say anything? This is the point that Kenny Cunningham made on TV.
3: Cunningham, I thought, made that point really well. I thought he handled the whole thing very well because the other part of uh, uh, Kenny Cunningham's captaincy and personality that Keane I th- had, a, I think, it was a light-hearted enough Problem with, but he. Was it came across as,
0: as as pretty a little bit snide. snide yeah, I thought. Did you? Yeah. I thought. Well, I thought it came across as so as, he's banging on about dismissive. Oh,
3: here, yeah. Here, there's Kenny loving the bit of the bit of media work after the after the matches. He was the captain. I would have thought. Unbelievable. He had to, I, I thought. I really was surprised. He loves, by that. Whi- he loves his whip rounds for the tea lady. I, and I felt and
0: Kenny enjoyed the media kind of side of it. Yeah. Remember your place. You're supposed to be with the team. Yeah. Says Roy Keane. Yeah, yeah. Says Roy Keane. Remember your place. Your place is with the team. Unbelievable. So anyway, Kenny Cunningham was saying, look, he he was clearly hurt by it. He he kinda made a joke about this. Liam Brady said, Look, Kenny Cunningham's making a joke about this. I don't think that's how he feels about it. You know, so the point is there's a there's knock on You say these
3: things, Pete, and John Delaney turns up on the Saturday night show. Did you see him? <laughs> well, I haven't seen the I've seen the uh twi- the photos on Twitter again. Uh, I've seen the rather big collared shirt.
0: Yeah. Uh, open a couple of buttons i got to be
3: honest I, I was a bit too John Delaney'd out after the after the, the Baptist. Baptist I just felt I couldn't go back online and watch this should I watch it for the purposes of this program this chat we're having now uh, well look
0: I mean, will I was, my life
3: be emptier if I don't see John I Delaney don't think so calendar. actually
0: I don't think you, I don't think your life would have been enriched by by seeing what I saw
3: he was talking about Keen, though obviously was he
0: Yeah, I mean, Brendan O'Connor asked him a couple of questions about that. Uh, I mean, he he talked again about his love of the fatherland, uh, patriotism, the flag, the tricolour. I love the tricolour. I'm pretty sure it was a direct quote from John. I love that tricolour. I mean, it's a beautiful combination of colours. (laughs) You got your green, you got your orange, you got, of course, in the middle, your white. Yeah, Lovely combination. Uh, He loves that flag. Uh, You know, it's... uh, I want to hear someone talk to him about this. I want to hear someone really go into detail on this uh, this um, passionate love of country that John Delaney keeps talking about in interviews. It's like he—it's like every interview I see him do, he mentions this and there's never any follow-up questions. Tell us about your passionate love of the flag because I've never heard. You sound, you, you sound like the most passionate Irishman in the world. I've literally never heard anybody speak this way about our our nation's flag in the last 50 years. So, what's going on? Nobody ever seems to want to go down that road. I want to hear more about it. But look, he mentioned in it, you know, well, you know, we, maybe we could have got to the... And that's again... To, Sorry, to what to did he mention? You know, we, you know if, if Keane had been captain, you know, maybe we would have qualified for that World Cup, you know? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? You know, he, it, this this is... It's, It seemed... I didn't really see how it would have made any difference. Roy Keane seems to think it would have made a difference, but... Apparently, he didn't feel like he could say anything about it. Like the same way he seemed to think, uh, he, he talks about that tribunal he was in with Eamon Dunphy. You know, the, the, but again, it it seems to appear to Roy Keane that Eamon Dunphy should automatically know, he should telepathically know what the situation was. So Keane didn't need to s- sort of talk to him beforehand, say, uh, you know, Eamon, by the way, our defence will be based on, you know... Certain version yeah. of things, you know, if you are asked about certain things, just so you know that. Uh, but Keem isn't not say it because it's like almost it should have been obvious. I mean, he seems to think a lot. Of, he seems to think a lot of these things should be obvious to people, but they're not because people don't aren't privy to his personal train of thought. You know, his personal uh, stream of consciousness. Other people don't actually have access to that. He seems to act sometimes as though as though they
3: do. He's not a fan of the Ryder Cup. Did you see this with Jonathan Northcroft? I saw that, but okay. Yeah, but I mean,
0: is that because Alex Ferguson gave the team talk as the Ryder Cup?
3: So he's saying this is in relation. He was obviously being asked by Northcroft about the story that he had an argument with Wayne Rooney over the remote control. One stage, Wayne Rooney hid the remote. Rooney hid the remote control on him, and there was a story that mm. uh, Keno sent the security guard around <laughs> to Rooney's room, which he did not, which Keen denies. But he says there was an issue there. But he says these things happen all the time. I went down in the bus with Aston Villa to Chelsea, and the effing Ryder Cup was on, and I'm lads, come on! But it stayed on. A lot of crap that I'm not a golfer, blah, 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 different people wanted to watch different things. Anything but the Ryder Cup for me, over the top, the usual nonsense, players hugging, wags, singing. A lot of people didn't even know what the Ryder Cup was two years ago. <laughs> I know.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of share his view on the, on the Ryder Cup as an institution. Oh,
3: I, oh, I really like the Ryder Cup.
0: I, I, don't, I don't like it, I think it's nonsense. But, at the same time, I, I understand some people, are, I know it's been around longer. Than, I mean, for me, the Ryder Cup came into being with Chris O'Connor Jr. and Ronan Rafferty. That would have been what nineteen ninety one or something. Nineteen eighty nine like? was Sir Connor's
3: famous famous two iron. Can it's a belfry.
0: So that was a that was a while ago. Um, but you know, it. I mean, I, 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 I. When I saw that, I was like, "This is this literally because Ferguson did the team talk." I mean, because because every single every you know any time Ferguson's involved in anything, you can be pretty sure Kane's going to have a negative view on it. You know what I mean? But, um, what maybe the most interesting part of that quote is the is the bit. Players hugging, wags singing—is that it? Players singing, wags
3: hugging. No, they're separate things. So p- the, he didn't seem to like players hugging each other. Yeah, the presence of the wags in general, it seemed. Yeah. And, oh, I see. why wow. yeah. and then the singing of the supporters. So or maybe it's ha- a so all, the, all these you know, signs
0: of human happiness. <laughs> all these just these instances of happiness. You know, teammates. You know, having a good time with each other, hugging each other. You know, people celebrating, singing, having a good time. Apparently, it makes Roy Keane's stomach turn. You know, say so in that book, you know, he's talking about it. I couldn't celebrate the victory. You know, whenever Sunderland do something, they they win the championship, for instance. I oh, know, I oh, know, wouldn't be celebrating that. You know, doesn't want to celebrate anything. It's like every all his victories taste like ashes. You know what I mean? And and if anyone is celebrating, it's it's kind of a sign of their ego having run away with them. You know, or uh,
3: it's just it's just. I know we are talking too much about Roy Keane at this stage, but what I will say is. You see how we've gotten more animated as we brought the book up again? And this happens, I was at the game on on Saturday night, uh, had a couple of drinks afterwards with a couple of friends and then a couple of friends of friends of friends, a group of about five lads, Mm -hmm. all sitting around, chatting about the game, talking about some of the stuff we've talked about here, Ken, Wes Hoolan, Robbie Keane, all these kind of factors, uh, the goalkeeper for for Gibraltar, Mm. Uh, you know, uh, nice conversation. Yeah. Then suddenly, it was almost it was like the elephant in the room. Who's going to mention the Roy Keane book? This is what we all want to talk about. So how did, how did it come up? I, had to just go, I can't remember exactly how it came up, but just remember suddenly there was a switch in energy levels in the conversation and everyone's talking yeah. about how much of it they've read, what they think of it, yeah, uh, yeah, generally what they think about Roy Keane.
0: Well, it is it is interesting. I mean, he he talked about how, you know, I don't want to really give much of myself away. I mean, Roddy Doyle spoke about how, you know, I didn't really ask him much about his personal life. There's not much of his personal life in there. But from things that he says, you can, there, there are... There's just things that he says that you can maybe draw conclusions from, you know. This that strange joylessness in in any anything good that happens. Mm. That sort of that voice in his head saying, "What are you doing buying a car? What are you doing buying a car?" Like just that, it's quite a normal thing for a super rich guy to do from time to time is go is is buy a car. You know, you don't feel bad about it. You know, if you do feel bad about it, I suppose there's there's things you can do. But you know, Brian Clough punched me. Oh, I knew why he punched me. Like I deserved it? What are you talking? You know, Brian Clough punching was a good, totally unpardonable thing to do. God knows why Clough did it. I don't think it was one of his finest moments in management. But somehow in Roy Keane's head this almost becomes like, well, I knew where Cluffy was coming from.
3: Yeah. You know, you're thinking, well, that's that's crazy. Where's Yogi Love coming from again? He a, pla- a pla a place. I of no. He probably I, I, felt like decking
0: maybe. a few lads yeah. after the somehow Yogi Love managed to restrain his fists. Uh, from pounding Eric Durham into a pulp um, after after Durham's super lame performance for Germany against Poland uh, where he he kind of uh, he formed himself into a kind of a cape on the back of Robert Lewandowski it was like Batman's cape as Lewandowski strode around the German penalty area but Durham wasn't really managing to, to interfere uh, in what he was trying to do Yogi um, Dov is affecting uh, cool nonchalance as uh, his team continues to lose matches. Although, in fairness, he's seen the videos of Ireland. He knows what to expect. Um, you know, he does He does mention... I'm, I'm sure they will go on the defensive against us on Tuesday and drop many players deep behind the ball. Uh, that's actually Eric Durham talking. But, you know, Eric Durham has been watching his videos as well and listening to his manager. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're right about that. I don't think Ireland are going to go over there and, and try and do... Do to them what Gibraltar tried to do to us. Well, I was
2: interested
3: in your piece in the Irish Times today. Uh, You travel over Germany and you're in, is it the University of Cologne?
0: Yeah. Speaking to some some
3: top boffins there. And apparently, not only are the German players happy enough to watch these rather potentially somewhat tedious uh, DVDs of their opponents, Mm. but they actually, they're almost, there's a social pressure into they're socially pressured into choosing or believing that they're choosing to watch these. They go, they seek them out yeah. and, they, and they watch them.
0: It's quite interesting, actually, that they, that they did that because this is the problem Brian Kerr had. You can do all these uh, tapes up or DVDs up. You can, you can spend ages getting the stuff ready for the players. But if the players then just don't watch it because they're bored by it, it's no use to anyone. It's just a waste of everyone's time. Um, so what the Germans have done is essentially centralised it so that if you're a player and you want to see your videos or your match analysis or all the stuff that they've prepared for you, people have done this for you, specifically for your benefit. You have to go to this thing in the middle of their training camp and watch it there. And so they all, they all have to come there. It's not a question of here you go and have a look at this in your room. It's a question if you want to see this you have to come and look at it here. So you
3: come along, if you're uh, Matt Hummels, you come along and you press your little Matt Hummels button, yeah. literally, and up pops up your up video pops of potential v- Video of, v- of you,
0: Videos of Robbie Keane, Shane Long, nice. Wes Hula, and you know, so this is what they're going to do. These are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of attacks that they make. You know, 20 sequences, watch however many of them you like. And apparently the players are using it all the time. Now the thing is that they're, I mean, the guy I was talking to was, was saying, this kind of really changed about five years ago in German football. Um, it, there, was a, there was a kind of a break then. Uh, he said, if you look at the team, now, they've got some, so much younger. The teams are so much younger, um, both because of the change in the way that the coaches are looking at the game. The, the coaches are requiring players to do a lot more of this. And sometimes 30-year-old guys like, oh, I really can't be bothered looking at some videos of football. The last thing I'm going to do when I finish training is look at videos of football. Mm-hmm. I just want to go and play golf. Whatever, to pick my kids up from play school. Play a computer game involving football. Yeah. But I just, I, I really don't want to look at stupid videos and, and analysis. And yeah, I couldn't be bothered. I've seen it all before. So the coach's like, okay, you know, get in 20, 21-year-old guys. They're cheaper. They're hungrier. They're more open to new ideas. And also they can play the kind of football that they're playing in Germany, which is a lot of running you know, it's, it's just so much of this high-intensity running now. It's kind of the whole focus of their game. That There's almost a lost generation of German players between that age of, I don't know, they, they, you're talking about maybe the guys who are 28 to 33 now who were almost, uh, I mean, there's exceptions there. That, that, that would include guys like Schweinsteiger, Lamb, you know. But like, in, in general, that generation of players maybe found themselves left behind a little bit by a big shift that happened five years ago.
3: Just a quick word on Well, I'll let you choose one other international football story this week. Raheem. Raheem. Still so tired, Raheem Sterling.
0: It's just amazing. I mean, Roy Hodgson has created another problem for himself here. Essentially, Raheem Sterling told Roy Hodgson, uh, To be honest, Roy, I'm feeling a bit tired. I'd rather I didn't start this game against Sam, uh, not San Marino, Estonia. Hodgson said, Okay all fine so far. Hodgson then tells the media, "Raheem told me he didn't want to play." <laughs> no, why did you do that? Okay, now and I'm not sure if if Roy Hodgson if, if having it if building up a sort of relationship of trust with Raheem Sterling is one of his priorities. To I just can't it seems to me that Roy Hodgson in trying to cover himself against media criticism, why are you leaving out one of our best players? It has, has groped for an easy answer. Well, because he asked me to leave him out and in so doing exposed the player to public condemnation, which he's now getting. I mean, if you look at his um, Twitter, for instance, uh, there's loads of people tweeting him going, why don't you go back to Jamaica? What, you know, who are you to um, not play for your country? You know, and he's got people like Alan Shearer writing in The Sun. Alan Shearer's got a, got a great line about the, the working man Where is it? Um,
3: Yeah, take your time there.
0: Yeah, Alan Alan Shearer. It's a podcast
3: game. We've got all day. (laughs) Source for
0: quote. He says, uh, "The working man who gets up at six a.m. and is in work till eight p.m. doesn't want to hear about a tired nineteen-year-old footballer." Um, The working man, yeah, the working man is up at six and home at eight. Doesn't want to hear how tired a nineteen-year-old professional footballer is. Too tired, he's 19, and it's October. I genuinely have never heard something like that in my career. This will stick with Sterling for some time, believe me. Perhaps all the attention over the last 18 months has simply gone to his head, and he feels able to pick and choose his games depending on how good a night's sleep he's had. That's Alan Shearer, right? Former England captain, match of the day, putting it.
3: Former worker down the mines, by the sounds of things. Oh, sheet metal worker's
0: son. Yeah. She, a mal- mal- son, doesn't want to hear about Raheem Sterling being tired. Now, listen, this is this is this is shared. He's there's plenty of people who I'm sure will feel the same way, um, and it is a general point of view. I suppose I would question as to whether the working man who's up at six uh, uh, and home at eight has to do quite as much high intensity sprinting as Raheem Sterling if physical fatigue is quite as important a factor in most. Industrial jobs, or whatever type of jobs, it's not just uh, people working in industry who have to be up at six uh, and back home at eight. The point is that Raheem Sterling is a fairly high spec athlete. You know he has to be in top physical condition if he's going to be able to do his job properly. That's a fact of it. And he could he could do what Alan Shearer seems to want him to do, what Jamie Carragher uh, says admits that he would do, what a lot of what the culture of English football is to do, which is to say, I'm fine. Let's go. You know, that's what Michael Owen did. That's what Michael Owen did when he was Raheem Sterling's age, when he ripped his hamstrings to pieces and lost his pace. That's what he was doing. That was always the culture. It's like Roy Keane talks about in this book. You know, that's the the culture was I'm I'm injured, I'm slightly injured, I don't care. I'm playing. You know, I've got a sore hamstring, I'm gonna play. He
3: praises Ruud van Nistelrooy and other Dutch players in particular for pff, saying Looking after not themselves. Fit, I, actually I want to be able to play late into my career.
0: Keane says if I'd done that maybe I'd still be playing well not maybe maybe you wouldn't <laughs> still be playing now, but um he would have got a few more years. But the culture is to is to be macho, to be to suffer in silence, to be the strong, silent man who doesn't admit to having any problem and to go out there, train, play, and if you get injured well, that's all part of the game. Whereas Sterling obviously decided, okay, uh I'm tired. Now he if he if he feels that way, then the enlightened thing for a coach like Hodgson to do would be to say, Okay, fine. Uh, and that seems to be what Hodgson did. He didn't force him to play. He did bring him on as a substitute but he didn't make him start the game. The problem, though, is that he's exposed the player to ridicule, to derision, by making this public. Apparently, in an effort to to fend off questions about why he himself didn't pick the player, I think players appreciate managers who are a bit stronger on their behalf.
3: That's the end of Kennedy's Report on Sport.
0: Hairdryer is is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by a furious blast of temper.
3: The hairdryer, with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. he threw a hairdryer at David <laughs> uh, in the, Is that right? No, 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 no. Can okay, you spoke to one of our colleagues at the Republic of Ireland camp?
0: Yes, and Malone is off in Essen now, um, before, uh, had the Ireland-Germany game tomorrow before he left. Uh, we had a little bit of a chat uh, about Gibraltar and the forthcoming Germany game. Emerson, way 7-0 win, obviously can't really tell anything from the opposition was so bad, but does
1: it make it difficult to change the team? Uh, no, I don't think so, really. I mean, as I say, you, you kind of don't learn too much about it because the opposition were so bad. I think they tried to play um, a different team there last night. They, t- they play, you know, O'Neill went to play a, a team that would beat um, um, uh, a poor opposition at home and that's what they did and they'd be very pleased with that. But um, even immediately afterwards, I don't think he sounded uh, terribly averse to changing the team. Yeah.
0: I mean, is there a big difference between the kind of team that scores goals against poor opposition and the kind of team that might score goals against good opposition? I noticed that when Robbie Keane and Wes Hilton came off. Ireland stopped scoring against the world.
1: Yeah, that was true, and they were poor in in, in, in the latter part of the game in, in a couple of ways. And uh, I don't think Doyle or Murphy. I um, understand no, the fact that Murphy uh, has an injury now, which might keep him out of the game anyway. But uh, I don't think either of them did very much to advance their claims for for a role in in, in the game on Tuesday night. But um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think I think Keane. Yeah, Keane, is, Keane is just you know we, we constantly debate Keane's role in the team. But the bottom line is he scores goals, and uh, and I think that makes him sort of ind- indispensable. Um, um, Hulan is a more complicated case. I think Hulan is the sort of player who you know O'Neill sees as, as having a real role to play mm. against uh, the likes of Gibraltar at home and and in terms of opening up teams in home games. But um, but yeah, I think he is possibly the sort of player who gets sacrificed um, when when the objectives are different against a team like Germany. And whether that's scoring goals or whether it's simply kind of you know getting something out of the game, you know, I'm not sure. But but I I, I think we could say I thought Hulan was terrific yesterday, I and mean, yeah. you can only play against the team you're are playing against and all that sort of stuff but but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he doesn't feature on Tuesday um,
0: I mean we've just been listening to Roy Keane talking about uh, how nobody's really um, you know taking that much notice of the Poland result these, yeah. things, these things happen and so on they must have been absolutely devastated to see that result
1: yeah, I can understand what, what it's very early in the campaign and 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 I think like that 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 results, you know on the last night of the uh, of the campaign is, is you know it it, it, it like I mean, obviously it makes no difference when it happens in the campaign but it, but at this stage you don't know what else is going to unfold and I and I can see I think the way he said it there I think I can see where he's coming from in that you just don't know what else is going to happen somebody you know Poland now they're not world beaters they've they've beaten world beaters on a, on a, on a big night for them um they haven't thumped them you know they it's not like they've actually dominated the game and kind of deservedly won in that way what they've done is they've been on the receiving end um, of, of an awful lot of pressure but taking their chances and um, and, and you could see Poland you know still I think it's, don't think it's out of the question at all that they'll slip up somewhere else and that, that result gets negated you know so um, and I can't see where he's coming from uh, that that you know it happens now and you can pore over it and get concerned about it but what difference does that make you know you just get on with it you push on and as he says you know Ireland have done their business so far the that the away win um, in Georgia for us is still of far more concrete significance than Poland upsetting Germany. For all of that, yeah. After a good night at Lansdowne Road, it was a disappointment.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, just as I said, we've been listening to Keane, and he, he's talking also about how he's he's drawn a line under the book now. Uh, he's not going to be talking yeah. about it anymore. Uh, it hasn't been a distraction. Bit of wishful thinking going
1: on there, do you think? Well, I, I think the key part is that they won very well last mm. night. You know, I, um, it was a
0: distraction from a, from a build up to, to a pretty uh, insignificant type yeah, of game. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure that was part of their reckoning. You know, I, I mean, I would have I would have thought that the timing was inappropriate. And unfortunate, and all of those things. But you know, clearly, you know, it would have been more inappropriate and more unfortunate if we were playing Germany at home last night, or Mm -hmm. Germany away last night, or whatever. If the if the if the build up had been directly into that, it was a game that should have been quite straightforward. We have struggled in the past, really, kind of um, had to battle to put away minnows like that. Last night, it was a convincing performance, very comfortable goals early on, result never in doubt. And so, from that point of view, um, you know, everything else kind of looks better in retrospect. Uh, Martin O'Neill said last night he acknowledged absolutely. I think that um, had the result gone badly, then you know the whole thing of the timing mean, of the book would have been opened up, and it would have been difficult to answer. Um, but you know, as in so many cases, when things go well as well as well as when they go badly, yeah. um, hindsight kind of puts these things in a, in a, in a context. You know, uh,
0: what do you think? Just lastly, do you think Ireland's um, attitude is going to be against Germany? I mean, um, we saw that Poland. You know, made a number of attacks. <laughs> eventually, managed to score a goal.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, is, is Ireland's best approach to try and defend the penalty area, try and get a draw, or to uh, or to try and play an open game against Germany?
1: I, 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 I... I think it's somewhere in between. I mean, Keane there was saying this thing about striking the balance, and I think, he, and I think it's kind of right and fairly self-evident that you know, if we go out and we play a very open game, we, we attack them, we're going to get taken to the cleaners. I don't think we're good enough defensively to dig in and um, you know play. I don't know, like Chelsea against Barcelona a couple of years ago in the Champions League, where yeah. you just pack everyone around the area. Walter
0: nearly scored three times.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we were playing quite, quite openly at that stage. I mean, we were seven 0 up, and we were still kind of going for it, and I don't think that. Would have been all that much upset if we'd, if we'd conceded a goal. Um, Gibraltar, I was stunned. I, my firm prediction last night would have been that Gibraltar would score against us. You know, we yeah. just seem to concede goals, uh, even against weak teams. But um, against Germany, we're going to have to strike some sort of balance. We're going to have to um, pose some sort of attacking threat so that they don't just get to completely lay siege to our box. Uh, at the same time, the emphasis will, I think, be on on, on defence. I think it's going to be that classic kind of thing of of a weak, you know, club side playing a European game away where, where you where you defend, you defend but you look for opportunities to break you look for opportunities to uh, pose a threat and you, you occupy German defenders who are really fine ball players who are well capable of playing a meaningful role in their side's attacks you occupy them in, in such a way that they don't get to do that it's it's, it's, it's a big ask and it's going to require a real shift from a lot of players but uh, that's that's got to be something like they do
0: At this point, the day, the day ahead of the game would you um, take a 1-0 defeat?
1: Ah oh, no no no! no. I wouldn't take a one-nil defeat. I mean, you know, I, could be. I mean, six-six-one was was one of the results they had
0: against
2: us. Yeah,
1: time. absolutely, and it was humiliating. I mean, we were missing a lot of players that time. To be fair, uh, we were missing something like eight players on that occasion, and so it was a little unfortunate. Uh, the game away, the game away was was you know more respectable under under Noel King, and you know uh, I think we were missing a couple of players that time as well. But nah, you'd never take a one-nil defeat, yeah. would you? You know, I'd prefer us to. You know, uh, uh, I I, kind of I, I hope we get a result, oh, I mean. I don't think it's entirely out of the question. It's unlikely, but you know, I, I'd, uh, I, I'd, I'd, you know, no, I'd, I I hope they, I hope they, I hope they can pose some sort of threat. And in these situations, I mean, you know, look, uh, we, were, we were trailing them in the World Cup, weren't we? And get a late equaliser. Um, uh, I, you can't really think that.
3: Emmet says he wouldn't take a one 0 defeat. Uh, was quite. A... <laughs> it was a bit of a defeatist. It is a defeatist question, but if you had asked me that question the day after the World Cup final. Yeah. I'd have probably said, 1-0 defeat, maybe not so bad.
0: Might as well lose 7-0 as 1-0, Owen.
3: See, I don't agree with that. You don't? Not when you're the underdog. <laughs> I think I'd be much happier to lose 1-0 than 7-0. That's the,
0: that's the question. Is it, is it absolute pacing um, worse than just... Is it really any worse than just the, any kind of a defeat? I mean, the points are the most important thing. I don't know if, if losing by six or seven goals necessarily makes so much difference.
3: Well, it does, psychologically.
0: It didn't help the last time when we lost six one to Germany. I don't think it. I don't think it did us any good.
3: No, we were probably already on the ropes a little bit then Now having taken a few pacings at the Euros, struggled past.
0: Didn't we extent. go out though? And what happened in our next game? We won four one against the Faroe Islands. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest, I wouldn't take a one nil defeat either. Because I mean, I would. I would take that view. That one nil, five nil. Who cares? You know, n- better at almost certain defeat rather than an absolutely certain defeat. It's not as though
3: we're choosing between a very defensive game plan and a very offensive game plan. I mean, we will be defensive and organised and those things, so you're hoping that that will be enough to maybe nick a draw. Yeah, get a nil for them. Yeah, (laughs) Would be great. No good news for Ireland to take from the Germany-Poland match on Saturday night. Poland have three bonus points in the bag. You can hear a bit about that side of it on the first show that we put out today. What about the world champions? Stefan Ersfeld joins us now, German journalist, football writer. Stefan, you've just watched Yogi Loves eve of match press conference in the last few minutes does he sound like a manager in crisis
2: Uh, not at all in crisis Uh, he said Germany will be fine Uh, played a good match against Poland just missed their chances and uh, once they start scoring tomorrow they'll beat Ireland
3: Uh, did the subject of Ireland come up very much Uh, did, did he give any idea as to his thoughts on the Irish team or was it mostly just about the German situation
2: well, he did say uh, they're pretty similar in style to Poland, a good counter-attacking side, and uh, he especially singled out Robbie Keane as the man to watch. Um, said most of their attacks go through Robbie Keane, so I guess he's aware of the record he he set on uh, Saturday. Um,
0: the, I mean, well, I saw a little clip of Mario Goethe in the mix zone after the Poland game, taking exception to a question about whether the German team was maybe now in a little bit of a crisis. Goethe didn't like that question. He just walked away. But is that, is that the sort of tone? Um, do you think of the of the media surrounding the German team at the moment? People saying, well, you know, what's wrong with this team? You know, you've lost a couple of games in a row. This isn't great.
2: Well, not at all. Um, the Argentina match it was just a friendly right after the World Cup. Bundesliga had just been at the second match day I guess people expected them to lose at one one point loads of players injured uh, other players looking for form um, especially if you take the fullback situation in Germany where well, we had uh, Philip Lahm stepping down so um, there needs to be a replacement for Philip Lahm also Hoover is out who, who played there at the World Cup they play Antoni Rudiger from Stuttgart at right back. Eric Dorm who's been uh, not in his best um, best form in Bundesliga at left back, so um, they're aware that this is a new team and they need time, and given the, the qualifying uh, two teams going out of the group, um, Germany will be fine. That's that's the mood in Germany
0: right now. Is it, though, a substantially weaker team from you know, compared to a couple of months ago when they won the World Cup? Because, I mean, you mentioned Lam going closer, also retired Mertesacker retired Schweinsteiger is injured, Royce is injured. You lose that many players, it doesn't really matter how good you are. That's going to cause some problems. I mean, it's, uh, has the German team maybe lost its identity a little bit, of struggling to find a new one? I'm, I'm looking for signs of hope here, Stefan
2: don't think they've, they've lost their identity, obviously. Uh, Schweinsteiger was always going to miss uh, most of um, 2014. Uh, he was going into the World Cup with a knee injury, and they all knew um, he just battled through the World Cup to, to win it once in his lifetime. Um, well, Philipp Lahm was a huge blow, but um, there are other players stepping in. But, but take Matsumos, for instance, who could be a leader. He's still struggling for form, uh, having just returned to Borussia Dortmund. Um Holger Badstuber, who could have been another leader, is injured once again. Nobody knows if he comes back, but um, there's still time. 2016 is uh, two years away. They might be looking for a new identity, but one of the main mans is gone. And Miroslav Klose is gone as well. Do you get the sense from these players, Stefan, that
3: there was always going to be a difficulty after you win a World Cup then you start off a European qualifying campaign, and everybody knows Germany will win the group. Or if the if it really goes pear shaped for them, they'll still come second. It's such an easy group now. It's such, it's such an easy qualification system now for Germany. Do you think it was almost inevitable that there would be a, a difficulty in getting right up to the top of their emotions again?
2: I think so. Yes. Yeah. So you also see that with a couple of Bundesliga sides who who are actually struggling to. Um, get into the rhythm again. And it's the same with the national team um, because you're coming off from such a high as uh, winning the World Cup and now you're facing Scotland, Poland, all good teams, but um, most of them haven't played uh, at a big tournament in a long, long time. So um, it's different.
0: Do you have the sense that the... um team tomorrow at, uh, in, in the stadium in Gelsenkirchen is going to want to make a point. Uh, it's going to want to say, look, you know, we're still a good team and we're going to put several goals past this uh, opponent in order to uh, in order to quieten any critics out there.
2: I fear so, yes. I fear <laughs> for Ireland <laughs> because um, they weren't bad against Poland and they just need to score goals. I'm not sure how much you've seen of that, uh, of the Poland match, but Belarabi alone had like Three good chances to score. Podolski hit the crossbar. So they had more than 20 shots at goal, and they just need to score one goal early on in the match and will not be the nicest match for Ireland. Yeah, we're a little bit afraid of that, I think. Listen, Stefan felt great to talk
3: to you. Enjoy the game. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Bye. You can see the level of
1: unexpected seats. This is the game you wanted a victory, but it didn't happen. What happened?
0: Oh. Pepe's such an idiot. A game that they've been looking forward to for a long time.
1: Where do you where do you think you got it all wrong today?
0: And then Pepe just ruins it for everyone. Thanks a lot, Pepe. You can see the level of expectancy. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: name that will sexy will take that penalty. <laughs> He was fucking dreaded. Sorry, yeah. We're not we're out here. Of here. Oh we're not We are. Well I apologize for that, but well, you see I'm sorry. he <laughs> <laughs> didn't exactly
3: choose it. Alright. Uh, Stefan seems pretty comfortable with the current situation, as does Yogi Love again. He doesn't seem like he's too embattled. He's playing it cool. Yeah, he is, yeah. But Why did we decide to stay on though? That's, another, that's a question that only occurred to me now.
0: Having, so. having fun in his job. Uh, thought yeah. maybe he'll win the European Championships easily. Spain are gone now. I
3: suppose, yeah, you can build a dynasty. Yeah.
0: Do, what, do, do what Vicente del Bosque did. I mean, del Bosque stayed on after winning the World Cup and and he won the European Championships. So maybe Yogi wants to stimulate that. And quite frankly, he's more likely to win a trophy with this German team in the next couple of years than he is with any club team that he might take over. Uh, I mean, where is he going to go? It's not like he's going to take over Dortmund or or Bayern Munich in in Germany. So he'd take over one of the, you know, Mm. aspiring clubs there and probably finish third or below in in the league. Um, Maybe he'd get a big job somewhere else. But, you know, I don't think he's going to get a super club job, is he? Whereas at the moment, he's managing the top team in international football, uh, could well win the European Championships, obviously comfortable with the job, likes the schedule, gives him lots of time, gets to do a few corporate gigs. I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> He's got the best job in the world. So once he wins the European Championships in a couple of years, that's the plan, he can then move upstairs and spend all the rest of his career upstairs. Except when he comes downstairs to present um, uh, management seminars at, uh, at various corporate conferences, teaching people how to unleash the giant within. Prediction? I think uh, Germany win by three goals.
3: 2-0. Give us a 4-1.
0: I'll give you That's a four A one.
3: consolation goal from, uh, from Robbie Keane off the bench in a rare substitute appearance for Ireland. Have a listen to our first show of the week. We got the Polish view on things in that one, and Dennis Hickey and Jerry Thorny previewed the opening weekend of the new European Champions Cup. You can follow us on Twitter at Second Captains and check out our website as well, secondcaptains.com. Thanks very much, Ken.
0: Thank you very much, too, Thanks bro. for listening.
3: Enjoy the game. We'll chat to you afterwards. Got...
0: How that That's the second time it's gone off